0: On this episode of A Tale of Two Rivals, the spaceman and the banterman get down and talk about some QB landing spots. And also, is Dave cyberbullying tot's three year old son? Stay tuned. To a tale of two rivals, a fantasy football podcast put on by a three-peat, go with your gut, I win very frequently, champion, and a numbers-obsessed, first-round-eliminated nerd to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who else is here?
1: You're joined by... At FF underscore spaceman Dave Wright. Todd, I'm excited. We're back. We're get, we're starting a new a new segment or a new series here. We're kind of getting away from a little bit more player centric analysis to start the offseason. I'm 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 excited and I'm ready to battle, my friend.
0: My gears are grinded, personally. I'm not very happy right now. You know what really grinds my gears, Dave? People you know stealing really things gr- from you? No, no, I, well, I mean, if it was in my possession and people took it from me, sure. When somebody, a grown adult, cyberbullies my three-year-old son and calls him a imposter, it's like on a, well, first of all, such a lame joke on the play of imposter, but who would do such a thing? Huh, David? Who would do such a thing?
1: You come at the king, you best not miss, that's all I'm saying. The king? The king? <laughs> I remember my first
0: beer, a.k.a. championship. (laughs) So, yes. I look forward to giving you the belt. I sent you a picture of my cute son wearing the belt. And what do you do? You call them an imposter. Good God, man. We're trying. Uh, What is this? Just, uh, you know, everyone
1: gets a trophy nowadays, Todd. (laughs) We're trying to grow the community. You kicked down my own kid. Good Lord. (laughs) Luckily, I don't think either your, either of our children are, are reading our text messages. <laughs> Probably not. I hope little
0: David spits all up over your spreadsheets. So- <laughs> oh,
1: that's a low blow. That is a low
0: blow. <laughs> all right, man, you ready to get into the question of the day? Yeah, I'm excited for this one, Todd. I- question of the day is, what is the best party song? I want you take it first, David.
1: Look, this is, there's a wide range here. First and foremost, Todd, let me start by saying I need to be able to sing to the, I want to be able to sing it. I'm not all up in here grinding up in someone's, you know, twerking and doing all kinds of weird stuff with my hips when I'm partying. Now, I like I like to dance, I like to have a lot of fun. I like to drop my ass every once in a while, but I'm not all about that twerk lifestyle. I'm not about the grinding and all that stuff. I like to sing along. I like to jump. I like to, you know, put your arm around your best friend and, and just live the good times. And that's what a party, that's what a good party is to me party song represents. So I'm if I can't sing along, I don't it's not a great party song for me. And a couple of my top contenders, Todd, are Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC. That oh god, that just I feel like I'm at a rock concert whenever that comes on. And then this is a Party in the USA by Molly Cyrus Todd. I oh man, that just that pumps me up like no other. And then oh, middle school so my first ever dances growing up are middle school fun nights they called them where every other friday or once a once a month on a friday we'd have a fun night and it was basically a, a middle school dance and hutton here was up there it, like it felt like it was played every every time tw- two or three times a night phenomenal uh, i i oh man i love that song by Nelly. and then mr brightside top by the killers when that comes on at a wedding oh i am i i reach a different level of being when that comes on everyone's singing along you're you're jumping the the gin and tonics are just flowing through you, and then an under the radar one for me, Todd, is "Call Me Maybe" by Carly Rae Jasmine or Jasmine whatever her name is. But I don't know what it is, but I love to sing along to that song. It gets me every time, and it's not you know it's not your typical pump me up song, but that song gets me. It gets me right. It just gets me going. But my all time, and based on my criteria of it's about friends, about. Being able to sing along and you can just belt it out, even though you know you can't sing as well as well Hu- as well as Whitney, you try and do your best. And it's "Want to Dance with Somebody" by Whitney Houston.
0: I'm a huge fan of that of that pick. You you were losing me at "Call Me Maybe," uh, I was all with you up until that part, and then you come back strong with some Whitney.
1: I wanna feel the heat
0: of somebody. Oh yeah, that's some good stuff, baby. Love it, love it. Great tune, great great tune. So, for me, I dove into the Frenzy Q's, the OG Frenzy Queue playlist, which is also the event where I beat Dave in a pool dunk contest, like, wasn't even close. <laughs> um, it, it's true, I won. When I dove into that, some of the ones that kind of, like, brought back some memory, Louie Louie, from my fraternity days, great tune. September. By Earth, Wind, and Fire. That is such a fun freaking song. You just get that funky groove. That's just so good. California Love. Oh, just get, just just gets me excited. Now, when we talk about songs to sing, Africa, dude. Singing Africa is just so fun. Uh, Gold Digger by Kanye. And then if you're really looking to get pumped up, Turn Down for What?
1: With Little John. Little John gets me up, done. Yep. Uh, get Down also gets me going.
0: Friday night and everybody, shot, shot, shot,
1: shot, shot. yeah. Ugh.
0: Uh, and then, get low, uh, not
1: get down, get low. Sorry, get low, get, get
0: low. Down. That's a great one, too. Put it on me by Jaw Rule. Be sad. That one's for you, buddy, because that <laughs> song is just a good time. Didn't we however, on,
1: on your, on you, during your Bachelor party, wasn't that on the party bus?
0: Oh, that actually was, yes, it was, but the song we all sang was, um, just a friend
1: by Biz Marquis. Oh, that was phenomenal.
0: And that and oh. that should be on the list too that did not make it. Now that is a fun song to sing with everybody.
1: However, that was, hands d- that was a time.
0: Hands down, my favorite song to like enjoy and sing along. It's just swaying and just belting it out is Piano Man by Billy Joel. I freaking love end of the night, belting it out with friends. It was a, just a classic throughout college. Pro- played way too late, probably more than once. I used to play it at around Closing at Charlie's at Amherst all the time. So, yeah, man. Piano Man. I mean, sing us a song, Piano Man. Sing us a song tonight. Because we're all in the mood for a melody. Well, it's okay, David, because you got me feeling all right.
1: Go <laughs> I I'm just saying, Piano Man hits all the marks, Todd. It does. You sing along.
0: Billy Joel is, like, the first music artist that my dad got me to fall in love with. You know? Yeah. So, like, Billy Joel hates me in the heartstrings in a lot of places. So I I love that question. I thought that was a good one, Davey. This
1: was, dude. I I can't wait to see some of the reactions when we put this out on the tweet on the Twitter. Yeah. I'll see what their people coming at us with.
0: Yeah. What is your favorite party song? Did we did we do a good job here? Let me know.
1: I wanna feel the heat from
0: your tweets. All right. Ooh, so a little improv. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. Right off the top. I like it. All right. Today. We're going to start our first segment on landing spots. So landing spots, we're trying to get ahead of in the offseason, but we're going to start off with the best QB landing spots. So why should we care about this topic? We have the Super Bowl just ended. There's a little hangover from that. So let's let's really dive into this and get ahead of your other league mates in the offseason. And then you understand when that value hits, and you've done your homework, and you truly understand what that landing spot means and i'm not saying that you're going to listen to us and know exactly what to do you're going to take our information and you're going to go do your own homework too because don't be lazy we're here to inspire and inform but you got to do more work so dave and i decided to do lap, draft landing spots when you're draft so i got the first pick for drafting the better spots so we got three picks each for the best spots before we get into this I think it's important to kind of like touch upon our criteria for what made a good QB landing spot. So, Dave, do you want to give us your criteria for what's a, what's your criteria for a good QB landing spot?
1: Sure, and this is in no particular order because I weight them differently. Depend, I, I don't. I wish I could tell you what I weight the most when I didn't. It was kind of more of a holistic view, but I definitely care about the weapons that are there. I also care about the the organization and the coaching staff that are there. The play like if they're a heavy. Like for existing coaches who have a, a track record, their run pass uh, splits in neutral game situations, and just if it's a, it's a good organization because that. And while we don't like to think that landing spot matters, it sometimes it's tough to measure. But a good landing spot can go a long way. And then for me, offensive line Todd matters a lot. The only problem with caring so much about offensive line, offensive line isn't necessarily sticky from year to year. It can fluctuate. Injuries can devastate an offensive line, and all and also too. There's a lot of narrative around offensive lines where you, you think that a team's really good at the offensive line. And it, it happens they're just good in one one phase and not the other. So offensive line is it goes into it. And then cap space and adding to the team because a lot of these teams that don't have these quarterbacks, they have some work to do. Usually usually they need have some work to do. It's not like they only have one piece missing. And so I want them to be able to add other weapons around the QB so that can be – a to maximize that that landing spot for the quarterback?
0: So we have a lot of the same list. The difference is that I did rank mine. For me, top was definitely the supporting class. So, like, stud wide receiver overall, and the younger the better, right? So if you landed in Green Bay and you re-signed Devante Adams, I don't find that as necessarily as attractive as Minnesota. There's a significant age difference between their studs, right? Coaching consistency. It's not necessarily like if the coach there has been running a prolific offense. It's more about how long has that coach been there? Do they have job security? Do I can I like cause the biggest disruption to a team is a rollover in the coach and having to put in a new system. And that's gonna put in a big that's gonna play a big role in my number one pick. Next we'll come up with offensive scheme. Is it a prolific offense? Is it more pass heavy? Or is there potential for it to be more pass happy? Then I'm going to come in with the offensive line, because though I know offensive line is very important, the reason that four is is that it's something that's buildable. You know, you could get quality linemen later in the draft to be able to fill in, and there's always some quality vests that you can pick up too. All right. Now, if the line is atrocious, the line's atrocious, that's a whole another story. Then I want to know if my running back is a quality receiver, because that puts in a lot of floor for what a QB needs when they're having a difficult time against a difficult defense, too. Then I'm going to factor in cap space, not because I don't think it's important, but because there's so many unknowns in how teams use cap space. So I'm not trying to rely on what I think they should do versus what I already knew what they have. So that's like why cap space doesn't really factor in heavily for me, but it's towards the end. So those are my six pieces of criteria.
1: Yeah, we agree a lot on here, Todd. Almost line for line. We probably weighted a little bit differently. I would roll in the RB as a pass catcher was rolled into my caring about the weapons there. But I did, I didn't add one. I forgot to mention it. Defense Todd, their defense. Now that's not sticky from year to year, kind of like offensive line play. It's not to predict year to year, how good the defense is going to be. But if you have a, you know, a really, really elite defense, sometimes that can cap your quarterback, just counting stats, not all the time, but sometimes so that I factored that a little bit, or if it's not a great of a quarterback and it's a poor defense, you can, you can expect maybe a little bit of a boost. So that's kind of, I, I factor in the defense.
0: I right, that's an excellent, excellent point. Really good point. All right, so the number one pick went to me, and my top choice was for the best landing spot, Pittsburgh. And it wasn't even close for me. They have by far the best weapons to adopt, given that they have an opening at the job. You got Deontay Johnson, Claypool, Friermuth, Najee Harris. That's phenomenal. Also, Mike Tomlin is the longest tenured coach. So you're pretty much bet that there's not going to be a coaching change unless Tom Tom unless Mike Tomlin decides that he's done coaching, which I don't see that happening anytime soon. Then you're going to factor in adding so obviously we know Najee Harris is a great receiving back. I could see them adding another back to specialize in that so that they can not, you know, overuse Najee and use him as more of a runner. But then, you know, like Najee's still gonna catch passes too. So add that kind of more as a depth piece, but I also think that that makes a lot of sense for Pitt to, like, with a late investment. And then, like, what if Juju comes back, too? Like, that's always a consideration. That just makes him even deeper. He doesn't even need to. But that's because that situation is so great. But imagine if he does. And then the offensive line is a lit, i mean, it's a home run before that, but the offensive line is a little suspect. But I believe that should be addressed in free agency in the draft. Solid cap. So they should have the money to spend on improving the offensive line. I love the idea of Russell Willis or Aaron Rodgers here, if that's possible. Sam Howell, absolute my top draft pick and pit. I have already went over this last week when I said, bye Felicia to Ben Roethlisberger. And I would hate nothing more than Jimmy Garoppolo in this, separation, in this situation. I don't want a game manager here that caps the potential for what this lineup is. Can we please get a dude who is better than a game manager at freaking quarterback in Pittsburgh for fantasy reasons,
1: Todd? With a lot of these QB or these weapons here, man, to have to suffer another year, like they've been suffering a little bit under the Ben Roethlisberger, to suffer another year out of a, under a rookie and then trying to learn the ropes, I man, I hope they could bring. I really hope they could bring a veteran in, man. I know it's tough, but I would love to see a veteran land there. It wouldn't make sense if it's
0: not a veteran. Like, that team's built to contend right now with a veteran. Yeah. But that's the other reason why I love Sam Howell, because I think that he is, like, the most proven and seasoned rookie QB. Yeah. I love, I don't know if you saw this, but, like, he blew up at the Senior Bowl and blew up in practice, and everyone's like, oh, he's the best prospect. Yeah, he always has been. You know, but of course, like some overblown practice had to make that the way that it is. <laughs> like, give me a break, dude. It's like, oh, my God, he's like been really good for three years as a true freshman. Idiots. Yeah. Sam Howell is the best quarterback in this draft, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to be the first one off the board, but he should be. So if he were to somehow end up at the Steelers, I'd love that move because I think that that's a great long term move. But for them next year, next few years, man, if Russell Wilson added, it, it just makes so
1: much sense to me just makes so much sense. Before we move on, Todd, I do have a couple of things. I agree that this is one of my... It's either my top or second favorite landing spot. The only thing is they have a lot of holes to fill in that offense. That offensive... I think you undersell, <laughs> undersold how bad that offensive line is. Pouncy, DeCastro, probably are going to get cut in the offseason, or should be cut anyway. There's a lot of work to be done on that offensive line, and that defense took a huge step back this year from being a top ranked defense to falling down in the middle of the pack. But I can't stress enough about the institutional stability of having Mike Tomlin until we forget Mike Tomlin's actually a defensive guy, but something about him and the way he sets up his squads really allow for some offensive production. Now I think some of that probably was Ben Rosberger and just how good he was in his prime, you know, just how Ben Rosberger really facilitated that offense, but it's, Ben, it, I do like having that. Hey, Mike Tomlin focuses only on one running back. Isn't afraid to throw the ball. They, they were like top ten. Todd, people think they threw a, they threw a lot a lot two years ago, but this year they were only like tenth or ninth in situational pass rush ratio and neutral game scripts. So the defensive guy not being afraid to throw the ball, gotta love it. So I just wanted, to, I agree with a, a lot what you said, man.
0: Hey, thanks, man. But I, I, I get it. Like I did say it's a little suspect because I do think that, you know, Trey Turner's solid. Okafor, he's the right tackle. He's not bad. If you find some pieces to put around them, you can piece together something well. They definitely need that, that left tackle. And that could be addressed in the draft. Or... In free agency. I honestly don't know what tackles are available in free agency. I haven't looked it's into so that. It's so
1: expensive, though, in free agency, man. It, it's, right. Uh, but
0: ugh. the thing is, though, is that, like, but this is the thing. You either, I think there's two ways to approach this, and you have to just pivot on the other one. You either draft your QB and then sign for the left tackle, or you trade or for the QB because you're going to give a lot of assets and then draft the left tackle. It, that has to be your priorities right there because you need to invest in QB and then you need to comp- protect the QB. And th- there's some depth there at tackle. I, I feel like a lot of blocks have like four tackles going in the top ten. That's not freaking happening. I'm sorry. Like somebody's going to slip out of that. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But that's really the only downside I see is that line. But anyways, all right. What's your top pick?
1: So this end being Denver. Not quite as excited about this Lenny Spouse. I was a week ago when we were doing, you know, we did this cold. We just kind of picked before we did any research. But, and the reason why I went with Denver was, first and foremost, Noah Fant, Albert O, Corton Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, and KJ Hamler when he comes back, Javonta Williams, and potentially even Melvin Gordon if they re-sign him, which I think they should in my opinion. As offensive weapons might be a top five skill position group in the NFL, in my opinion, that has a deep, Talented. I, and I've, I've always been higher on Quentin Sun than the majority. I know he had a down season, but I still think he has more in the tank than when he had. I really like this group. Tim Patrick is underrated as all get out because of his draft capital and all that stuff. But man, I, re- I really like this skill group. And I think people don't appreciate it as much because they've been living under Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater and mostly Drew Locke the last two years. And that has really capped, I think, what the, what people have been able to see from these skill players. Top five in cap space, so there's a lot of room to pr- improve this team. Mike Munchkick, Munchk, Munchke- Munchik? Mike Munchik. Unfortunately, I just saw I, I did not know that he wasn't most likely returning to the team. There was a, a report this week. Doesn't look like he's going to be returning as the offensive line coach. And he, he's basically one of the best offensive line coaches we've seen in the last 20 years. Really can turn around an offensive line and it was only, and then I did some d- digging, Todd. Only the 19th ranked offensive line last season, according to PFF. Yeah, not, I, I was thinking that they were uh, higher than that. Then the top 10 defense under Vic Fangio, uh, you know, I talked about at the top, might not be as conducive to uh, QB stats. However, you know, Fangio moving on, so we'll see how that defense changes. But Nathaniel Hackett coming in, offensive guy, uh, and also a new owner is looking like they're going to be. I'm not sure what the timetable is a new owner happening, but. Not quite as much organizational stability as you would like to see, but I still doesn't feel like things are too chaotic out there. Besides, you know, rumors of John Elway showing up drunk to to meetings for with coaches and stuff like that. But anyway, that's another topic. Overall, I still think this is a great place for one of those high end QBs to land. Todd, where Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, if they were to land here, I'd be really excited. Even Matt Ryan, I think we talked that about a couple weeks ago. Really, I, Matt Ryan, not as much, but man, if there was an elite, elite QB were to land there, or you don't want to throw elite, elite around too much, but those are some of those QBs, if they were to land there, this would be a great spot because they could overcome. Qual-
0: quality veterans. Yeah.
1: they What's, You could. <laughs>
0: yeah. What Wait, what, get, get that elite word out of your mouth, please. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think Watson's elite. Rogers put up an elite season as the MVP, and Wilson's been down, but I think he's put up some hell of a seasons. But I hear what you're saying. Now I think those guys can overcome whatever institutional instability there might be. So I mean, overall, I still really like this organization as my t- as a as a landing spot.
0: And what they're probably going to do, they're going to roll with Drew Locke again. <laughs> so um, no, I'm just Ugh. kidding. So there's
1: been rumors about Teddy Bridgewater resigning there.
0: I God, all right. He, like I'm sorry, Jimmy Garoppolo and Teddy Bridgewater is the same person. I- I'm just going to say that. Clearly, the weapons are legit young, deep, and talented, right? Office line is great, but not awful either. As some pieces in depth. You're solid. Coaching pieces, this is the biggest concern here, but that's on John freaking Elway. This is the fifth coaching change under him since 2011. So that means that he's averaging a new coach every two years. That's freaking awful. I don't know if Hackett will be the one who will do a good job there, but I think it's a very tough job to come into as a first-year coach, there's so many pieces in place here that the expectations are very high. And you're dealing with an ego-drunken maniac as your president of football operations. Who, I don't know, there's always a rumor that he's trying to sabotage all the QBs to maintain his legacy. Might be true. I'm kidding. I don't really think that is. But it's funny to think about. And I think there's a significant difference between Pitt and uh, in Denver in terms of landing spots. But Denver's still my number two spot. I just think that it's the organizational stability that does not get me excited, man. And I kind of feel like I didn't put that into my list as well, but I felt like that kind of went hand-in-hand hand with coaching consistency. Like, if, if coaches are, like, keeping their jobs, that like rolls in with the organization piece.
1: There's been a lot of stability, Todd, at ownership in, with the commanders. A lot of stability with the ownership in the, in the commanders. We'll get into that later.
0: So... But you know what, Dave? Imagine Sam Howell. What he could do oh to unlock out of Jerry. Every... <laughs> Imagine what Sam Howell could do to unlock Jerry Judy's potential, man. Sam Howell. I like him there, too. I mean, I'm all about a vet, but Sam Howell, dude. Sam Howell.
1: All right. Next, Drew Locke. <laughs> I'm I haven't looked at these QPs yet. I'm just messing with you.
0: And we're done for the night, everybody. <laughs> uh, Dave will be finding a new co-host. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess
1: I'm doing that a lot lately. Apparently.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um. All right. So for my second choice, originally I had the Saints, but that was a, a knee-jerk reaction.
1: That would have been a bloodbath.
0: Yeah. Like honestly, like I was, I was about, to, I was about to do my notes, and I was like, oh God, no, 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 no. Just huge questions here between, like, coaching like coaching changes, cap problems, wide receiver, like, Michael Thomas, like, not being there or being there. I honestly don't think it's, like, awful, but you can't cl- clearly say it's, like, desirable.
1: Been hanging out um, with Jay Powell too much. Yeah,
0: I'm just trying to be nice to him. I'm sorry, man. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. And he's just going to make some sort of snarky comment about how the cap doesn't matter in our group chat later. Minnesota is my replacement pick. And it's because you get Justin Jefferson. That's the main reason. Uh, Kirk Cousins is good as gone after 2022. And I think they already regret that awful pick in Kellen Munn in the third round. I have no idea why they thought that that was a good player to invest in in developing behind Cousins. It was such a dumb pick. And I think that they know that. Adam Thielen's still solid, but he's getting up there in age. But, you know, they could add some pieces around. Around Jefferson too. Like they're gonna have to. So got Dalvin Cook. Irv Smith Jr. was out with an injury. That's a bit of a sleeper this year in, in tight ends, in case you're remembering that. Like him healthy, that is a special, special athlete. And but yeah, I'll take one of the best young wide receivers ever as my number one any day of the week. The line needs some work, but again, I'm not gonna split hairs over beat the ability of hooking up with Justin at Jefferson every week. Yeah, the cap is awful for them too. But imagine being a QB and throwing to Jefferson every game. (laughs) I mean, that's it. That's what it is. I mean, they're clearly not signing a QB, so this would have to be a draft pick. I don't see them drafting somebody at 12. So the guy that makes the most sense for me falling to the second round, that'd be a good pick would be Carson uh, Strong out of Nevada. And I think that he pretty much is like a younger version of Kirk Cousins, who probably has a better ceiling given the fact that, you know, he's young. But that would be an excellent pick for them. But then again, Sam Howell would be good anywhere, and I, I think that he'd be great in Minnesota too, but that's just Sam Howell. But what are your thoughts on Minnesota, Dave?
1: My thoughts are, I hope we don't hear the Sam Howell would be good here for the rest of the show. Let's just pretend that you said that for every everyone, and we'll just move on. <laughs>
0: Sam Howell would be good there. Sam Howell.
1: I, I think this, Todd, the problem is, is with Cousins' contract that, and then Mond also there. Now, mind you, I don't think Mond is a real blocker, but just Cousins' contract. It's not cap situation. This is a tear down year for them, Todd. I don't see it any other way. I don't, I would not want any free agent coming in to come. To, I know that you're not saying free agent here, but I wouldn't want any free agent to come in and have to compete with Kirk Cousins. I don't necessarily want a rookie to come in and compete with Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins has been just, He's he's been fine. Been totally fine here. Uh, yeah, it just, that's, I cannot get over that. And that's why it is not a good landing spot. Now, I really like the GM they brought in. But I think this is a teardown year. They have to get that cap sorted out. That defense just hasn't lived up to expectation at all. I would have actually chosen, like, even Green Bay over them, Todd. Or, yeah, there's a a couple other choices I might have chosen.
0: To each their own, sir. To each their own. All right. What's
1: your next one, man? Very well said, sir. Very well said. My next one is Indianapolis. Again, I chose this landing spot uh, a week ago. And after diving into it, I was not not quite as thrilled when I got into the nitty-gritty. And, but the reason why I was attracted to this landing spot was because I want to believe. I'm not sure if it's smart or it's a good process, but I want to believe in Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and that offensive line. But after doing some digging, the Colts are just really a good a a run-blocking team, and Quentin, Quentin Nelson's been a little to shove himself as he's been hurt. I felt like he's been dealing with an injury forever now, Todd, but yeah, he's still being able to play through it is awesome. He's a great offensive lineman. Don't get me wrong. I love Quentin Nelson. But this is a great run-blocking team. They were. Bottom five team pass blocking, not a very good pass blocking team. And looking back, Todd, you'd watch those games, Carson Wentz was under siege. He's a pretty mobile quarterback, too. Under siege from that offensive line. Eric Fisher at left tackle. Wasn't there rumors about him going to play tight end at one spot, one one time? So yeah, not not pretty. That
0: that is true. That is true.
1: <laughs> not pretty out there with that that offensive line. But they do have eighth in the eighth in overall cap space. They need to add. T. Y. Hilton is a shell himself. I think it's time to add more weapons. Michael Pittman ha- had a really strong stre- stretch there this season. Very good player, but he, I don't think he can carry a team all by himself. They need to be more weapons there. There's some. They need to go do it. I would love to see them land a premier wide receiver or draft uh, someone high. But I know they don't really draft. I feel like they don't draft people in that first round. And that I don't. They're more of a second second round. And later, type thing there. But Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, I believe, were tied for second on the team in receptions with 40. So, not a lot of weapons there. And I really value the weapons when it comes to QB landing spot. And this wants to be a run heavy team. They're a bottom 12 team in neutral game script, uh, 54% run pass ratio. So, it, I, they want to be a run team. They want to defer to the running team. So, there's some like stylistically wise, you wouldn't. You know, if they won't just let the quarterback loose, you wouldn't love to see that. But I still trust the coaching, the play calling. And believe it or not, is it bad that I even think that the owner there, even Ursafe, you know, he at least, he's stable at this point. I don't know. It's just this, I like this organization. I'd be very excited to land there. And they seem very motivated to move on from Carson Wentz and improve at the QB position.
0: I, I You know what's funny is, like, you were talking to me this pick surprised me. I was banking on Carolina here for you, but I don't hate the Indy pick at all. That offensive line, uh, the respects to uh, defenses need to give the run. God, Jonathan Taylor is huge. Big fan of Pittman, and I think like like you talked about with the cap, they're going to be able to bring in a major piece of that receiving core. Another thing I think is overlooked about Indy is I like their tight end depth. It's nothing sexy, not a lot of stubs, but just really solid and like they have like a lot of like nice options, and even if somebody gets hurt. I wasn't thinking of this landing spot when we were drafting, but I do like it a lot. And um, I think it's a good spot for investing in youth or vet. I think there's some flexibility there. So, But imagine if they drafted Sam Howell. That could be special. That could be special,
1: Dave. I, it, it, it could be very special, Todd, with Sam Howell there. I also forgot to mention the defense. It isn't the best defense by any means. I don't really see them taking a huge leap forward. To be a total shutdown where it hurts the quarterback, so I don't mind that too. As far as a team having to, you know, have to be able to throw to win games sometimes.
0: Yeah, that's well said. It's a solid defense, solid. So yes, my third choice. But this, just to be serious this so this was my third choice, and it wouldn't be my top three. It would be Tampa Bay. So a big part of this is whether Godwin comes back or not. So I'm assuming there's a good chance for that. If he doesn't, this pick looks a little less enticing. But you still have Mike Evans. Uh, you have Bruce Arians whose job's very secure unless he decides to retire again. And I don't think this is necessarily just like a plug and play move at all because there's just like tons of pressure following Brady. Expectations will be high and you got to just see the personnel changes like lingering there in multiple skills positions. Like Leonard Fournette was a good receiving back for him. I don't see him coming back. I don't see them investing the money into him given the situation they have right now. So do I love this landing spot? No. But I do like its immediate appeal and the possibilities in front of it. Uh, I think it's a good spot for a veteran Q- QB. Also, a young quarterback We need to compete with jo- Kyle Trask, who solid. He was, he got second round capital. He had a good last year in Florida. Uh, he's not somebody that's super intimidating, but it's, it's a factor to considering that Kyle Trask was drafted in the second round and he's going to get a shot. But if for some reason Sam Howell uh, you know, fell in this draft, he'd be a steal for the Bucks, and that would be a nice pick. So what do you think, Dave?
1: I'd love to see two second-round picks battle it out in Tampa. That'd be really intriguing. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I think what happened two times that we saw is that Tam- Tom Brady really raised the level of this team overall. Once Godwin and AB were no longer there, they seemed to run out of weapons really fast. And this roster has kind of the feel of of kind of being a little bloated with trying to fit contracts in to load up for that one last Tom Brady run last year or one you know run it back. And Godwin's injury and Gronk leaving also hurts this team. I think moving forward as far as having weapons, but given the options, I don't mind this land as a landing spot for a vet like you're kind of saying. Like I, there's talk about Jameis Winston landing there. No, no, thank you. But Matt Ryan, sure. You know, or even you know, even I'm a higher caliber veteran would be interesting as well. So I do not mind, especially considering some of the other choices, Todd, that we have to choose from. I, I'm not hating a Tampa Bay landing spot.
0: But the key is you don't love it either, and neither do I.
1: All right. What was your third one, David? My third one was Carolina. And what jumped off the page to me, like you really wanted me to take this pick here. And I was like, kind of find it like, Todd, I know I love a lot of people on Carolina, but Matt Rule just seems like the this is becoming cliche or almost a given here. The college coach coming in with a ton of hype as the innovator, high flying off its mind, and just fails to impress once they come here. Doesn't even like seventh lowest in pass run ratio in neutral game situations. That Very, very uninspiring. Would come on. Like, I, you hear these coaches coming in and how college is changing the game, Todd, how they're moving things to the next level. And then you come in and you run the ball 53% of the time. In these neutral situations, is just piss poor, piss poor, and you know middle of the pack in salary cap, and they need to desperately invest in the second worst offensive line according to the PFF. Uh, They did not prior to. I mean, they really. I think the Matt Rule's first year there, they just totally loaded up on defense, and then this year they totally failed to address the offensive line situation, trying to do some patchwork situations here, and it did, and it just fell apart. It was. Sam Darnold you know you saw some things early on you're like oh it's it's oh could this happen could this happen and then he was just it was like he was on the Jets again Todd and it was just like there was no offensive line there at times the defense over there Todd is pretty good uh, middle of the road defensive DVA but honestly with the some of the names they have some core names at all three levels of of the defense you could see this defense taking a step forward now
0: It's an insanely young defense and I'm fully expecting them to take a significant step forward next year.
1: How high? I don't know, but definitely intriguing defense.
0: Easy top 10 potential.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. So who knows how, what that does for the, how they want to run, like how, what are they going to play one of those offensive schemes that, you know, they rely on their, their offense ball control and all kinds of that stuff. But I know I mentioned Matt rule earlier, but if, what ha- what really scares me about the Carolina landing spot, especially for a rookie, Todd, and a rookie coming to Carolina, is what happens if Matt Rule craps the bed again and he's out in Carolina, and then there's a you know a struggling he's the QB has to deal with a bad offensive line, conservative play calling that I met, just mentioned, and then also he has to start over in year two from scratch with Matt Rule's replacement. That's not a great spot that I would want my my rookie landing, and I'm very hesitant. That's kind of why they I, I said this like I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately, but this is why the, the move was to draft a QB last year. G- it gives less pressure to, to just they had two that way, a two year window to com- to get that QB ready and go before the time runs out for Matt Rule. I don't
0: think anybody disagrees with that.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's frustrating, Todd. But it's just really frustrating. But the reason why Carolina is in my top three is because for two reasons. First, being CMC, he is still a weapon. I know he's been dealing with injuries for feels like forever now. But CMC, when he's in there, he's a true difference maker. And DJ Moore, baby, that ah oh, man, I get really excited about any of those. We talked You talk about it. Getting excited for Justin Jefferson and totally different level than DJ Moore, but man, do I get excited about a good quarterback landing with DJ Moore? And so this is part of me just wishing this to be a good landing spot for QBs. But I before I before I move on, I will say I almost forgot to mention the true Alpha Terrace Marshall is also there. You know, Alpha wide receiver everyone told us about last year, and the and Shai Smith who replaced him and earned more snaps than Marshall by the end of the season. So there, those two are there as Dynamite Weapons with Robbie Anderson as well. So I kind of
0: made that pick for you, like you said, but you said you didn't like it at as that point last week. And now, you know, you you know, you know might be coming around on it. But, yeah, I mean, come on, Davey. Just commit or not. So the weapons alone make this team pretty juicy, just between CMC and uh, DJ Moore. Those are elite. But imagine if they added a quality tie-in or Marshall emerges from the ashes somehow. I think it's too soon to write him off after one year. Like I get it, yes, yes, Smith was getting it. I understand about the breakout piece, but I'm not really just fading on Marshall right away. They they invested in him. They're going to give him a chance, and you know I saw some really good things from him out of LSU. So
1: oh, two. he was a he was a fine prospect, Todd. Yeah. Question question. Is it weird that they? So everyone was excited about the the coach coming there. The I forget his name. Yeah. Right? Brady, Brady coming there. And Joe He didn't Brady. even make it through the season, right? Everyone compared that right. like the, the he was, he was like a hot,
0: hot hey coaching candidate coming into this year because of that LSU thing. But the thing too is that like he was like the passing coordinator or something out of LSU, and then he got that OC job. It felt like he kind of like skipped some levels of like the like uh, the career chain, and it didn't work out well for him.
1: I wonder how I would do as the passing game coordinator for Joe Burrow. And Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, and Jamar Chase. And Robert, hold on.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Joe Burrow came out of nowhere. What's not remember. Nobody knew who the hell he was. Well, well you not- did
1: because you're a Debbie guy.
0: No, I didn't. You know who Joe Burrow was? Dude, Joe Burrow like transferred out of Ohio State after doing nothing.
1: Come on, the Debbie people loved him.
0: Yeah, once he started playing. <laughs> Please. Anybody who called that early on, I'm like, you're full of it. But anyways. Um Clearly a good landing spot. Uh, Definitely in my top five somewhere. Now, Dave, imagine if UNC legend Sam Howell ends up there. That would be something.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'd be love seeing him play with a new coach in year two. Great, with a bad offensive line.
0: Yeah, actually, you're right. That would would suck. All right. (laughs) All right. But it'd be a cool line, Carolina, Carolina. Sam Howell. All right. Dave, you threw, out, you threw out a lot. We threw out a lot tonight. You want to wrap it up? Give us some final thoughts.
1: Yeah, so my biggest takeaway here as I was going through and prepping for tonight's show was I'm not in love with a lot of landing spots at all. I, at all. I did like Pittsburgh's. I poked some holes in a lot of other landing spots There, I just wasn't thrilled there wasn't a dream landing spot. Like, I would... For, sometimes for wide receivers, running backs, there feels like a dream landing spot and in quarterbacks in years past, but I just didn't feel like there's a just a, the perfect spot this year. Now that being said, I think a veteran when any of these veterans who like Watson, Wilson, Rogers, Matt Ryan to an extent, if they land in any of our favorite spots, like our ideal top six spots, I think that's something I'm getting excited for, and I'm not going to let that derail my expect fantasy expectations for those quarterbacks, but. If it's a rookie, if it's not one of the, if it's not one of these quality quarterbacks, Todd, I'm not going to be as enthusiastic as other people in certain in, in a few of these spots. So I think that's my my overall spot is that I'm I'm totally okay with a veteran like these very good quarter veteran quarterbacks because I think they can rise above these situations. But besides that, I'm not thrilled with a lot of these landing spots.
0: I 100% echo what you just said. I totally agree with you, and um. The only thing I will say is that Pittsburgh's my only exception to the only slam dunk spot. I I get excited about rookie or vet in Pittsburgh. Honestly, um, I prefer vet, but you know, Sam Howell in a Steelers uh, uniform would be a fantastic. thing. So, uh, the only other thought I had was we didn't address it in the show, which is something to keep in mind, is that we're just focusing on clear QB opening, and I fully expect a lot of QB movement uh, happening uh, this off season. So. Like things we haven't even covered and like might come to light. And you know, if other players' movement comes to light, so watch the movement and think about what that does and think about the holes that it fills. So, another great landing spot could open up after the draft or you know, after free agency.
1: 100%, Todd. 100%. And maybe these veterans, maybe Aaron Rodgers stays or retires or Russell Wilson stays. There's a lot of there's a lot going on. Maybe something breaks in the Deshaun Watson investigation and he hopefully we're not disappointed. I hope there's a lot of movement and we see some, some veterans land and some exciting spots for for the weapons that goes around this. Because the reason why we talk about this, Todd, is what we're going to get into next week when we start talking about running backs or wide receivers. Is that what these land spots do for the other position players and what it does for our fancy team. So that's why kind of we want these landing spots. So we can have our wide receivers and running backs maximize their true potential.
0: Hey, great episode! Some great takeaways, Davey. Where can they find you?
1: you can find me at ff underscore spaceman on Twitter. You can find me right here on a Tale of Two Rivals, and you find me on my Patreon at ff underscore spaceman, and over at Dynasty League Football. I should have a couple of articles coming out on Traylon Burks and ooh, another wide receiver, David Bell. Purdue wide receiver David Bell sometime later this month. So look for those articles in the near future. Yeah,
0: I've known about those guys for a while now, Dave. I'm glad you're getting acquainted. (laughs) C2C for life. All right. So um, you can find me at FF underscore banterman on the Twitter machine. Uh, I'm happy to answer everybody's questions. But Levi's, keep trying, buddy. I'm not going to answer them. Not doing any writing, not doing any rankings. But if you want to pick my brain, I'm always down. All right. Peace.